Friends, welcome back to the Wild at Heart podcast. John Eldridge here in the week of August 10th, dropping in to the series that we started. We were playing an oldie but goodie here in the month of August, partly to give our whole podcast team a little bit of breathing room back in July, because we try and record these things in advance. And it just made sense for us to pull that New Frontiers series out of the archives and re-air it. We love it. It's great to hear Craig's voice again, but we're actually interrupting it today because while that is timeless, it's not totally timely in the sense of we've got some things on our hearts for you right now as the world continues to shift and change and as schooling situations continually change for you parents and wanted to step into the studio with Morgan, because as we've been praying personally here as a team, Jesus has been speaking some very specific instructions to us in this hour. And in order to understand why we want to share with you what we're about to share with you, you kind of need to back up and just talk about what has the effect of living in constant uncertainty done to us? What's what's the effect of living in a world that's just filled with social unrest and political hatred and a pandemic that you can't tell, you know, it's hidden, that you can't tell where it is and when it's going to strike? And what's that been like, Morgan, for you, for your family? What do you notice in your friends? Yeah, John, I have a privilege of spending time like asking those questions to allies of ours around the globe. And what's intriguing is a lot of it goes unnamed and undetected until something goes wrong, right? Like I find that I'm shorter fused than normal. I find that the fruit of my actions or decisions demonstrate there isn't much in the tanks. Not a lot of reserves there, these there days there, buddy. Right? And, and now there, I can name circumstances, right? I've just thrown myself into the launch of becoming a king over the spring into summer and then hit a heart eject and got some, some time of reprieve with the family. But still having said that, there's this pervasive um, atmosphere. And it's interesting. I don't go to grocery stores. Like I just don't live in that space. Like I do it online, um, or Sherry does it. And I went in to, to pick a few things up and, and it was like, um, hostility. Uh, this, this, it was, it was quiet. There weren't too many people, but everyone was masked obviously. And I go to put my debit card in and there's shrink wrap on the machine. And I said to the guy, I was like, where do I stick my card? He's like, you can still stick it in there. It's just shrunk wrap. And I was like, this is like my Jewish grandmother's furniture. <laughs> I remembered being sticky to her couch when I was eight years old. Everything was wrapped in plastic. And it was like a, a novelty to me because I don't go in the grocery store. And I walked out and I was like charged. I was on alert. I didn't want to make eye contact. Yeah. And I went home and told Sherry, like, I'm not going into a grocery store again until the pandemic's over. And it was an example of there's a prevailing atmosphere that's like a fish in water, in polluted water. Yes. You just can't name it. Yes. But I'm aware yes. when I back up, it's affecting most things. Yes. Okay, friends, this is huge. So we're here to name it for ourselves and for you. And then to talk about how we get 
some grace in it. Have you noticed the mental fragmentation? Have you noticed the scattered thoughts, the forgetfulness? It's like, what'd you say? Because <laughs> I'm, I'm recalling it. And yet what's funny is like, as you ask the question, I have to say, okay, now where are we? What are we doing? Like, I'm actually manifesting it right yes. now. Yes. Um, and, and yet I'm embarrassed because I do a lot of work to not be fragmented. Yes. Right? Yes. And yet confession, yes, there's something yes. different and it feels confessional and important yes. to name it. Yes. Mental fragmentation, diminished reserves, diminished capacities to get things done irritability, you named, bordering on hostility, okay? And the flip side of that too, I named John, is like almost a compassion fatigue because yeah. you see like, it's brutal. Yeah. You know, I shared that, that article in New York Times with you of the Amazon River and the impact of the pandemic in these tribal communities. It's, it, I mean, yeah, it's it was like the stories of the Missouri River and Lewis yes. and Clark wiping out 50% of these native tribes. It, it was horrific, and I had no idea. Yes. And you realize, like, everywhere you turn from kids trying to go to college to parents with young children trying to navigate two jobs to paychecks, like, to neighbors that are terrified and locked in their house on our street. Yes. There's a fatigue even of compassion. Yes. Yes. Okay. Friends, all of these are symptoms of PTSD. So let me tell you a little story. I was reading a fascinating article this summer on the SARS epidemic that hit Hong Kong. So we're, we're in a um, SARS-type epidemic, but this is COVID-2. That was back in 2003. It's called SARS-CoV-1. Descended on Hong Kong in the spring, hammered hammered Hong Kong, tragic, um, high death count, and three months, uh, uh, almost like a wildfire coming through, three months, and then it subsided, and it, and it was over. So very different than our situation. It was contained. It was in a, a relatively short period of time, although three months is brutal, and the, you know, the loss was catastrophic and heartbreaking. But here's the interesting thing. Afterwards, researchers were looking into the mental health impact of what it's like to live through something like that. And they discovered, they were shocked at their findings. High levels still in the community of PTSD, high levels of anxiety, of depression, of obsessive compulsive mm. disorders, and even in some people of psychosomatic physical symptoms. Mm. So they didn't have the illness, but they were experiencing the empathetic physical symptoms that mimicked the disease months and months and months later. Mm. And gang, every natural disaster carries with it a psychological storm, carries with it a psychological wake. But the difference is this, you know, you live through a hurricane, you know, Hurricane Katrina, it's horrible. But the thing is, there's an end mm. to it, and you know when the storm has subsided, when you live through the wildfire. Do you remember, mm. the, remember the Waldo Canyon fire? Oh, yeah. Here? In our backyard. Right. The whole city was freaking out. And, you know, the fire was on the western side of the city, mostly in the National Forest. It did reach down into your backyard and mine. But I remember people in the city 
that were literally 15 miles away across freeways, mm-hmm. across all of the industrial, you know, everything, right? Shopping centers, mm-hmm. they were buffered by enormous amounts of, of obstacles yes. freaking out yes. as though the fire were upon their front porch. And it was never, ever, ever going to reach it. But it's just to point out, natural disasters carry with them psychological trauma, mm-hmm. soulful trauma. But the thing about the wildfire is you also know when it's over. I remember the day that it was over and and your whole body just comes down off mm-hmm. of high vigilance and, and your heart takes a breath and your mind takes a breath and you suddenly realize how exhausted you are, how depleted your reserves are. But there was an end to it. Yeah. Okay. There's no end to this right now. What I wanted to point out by way of contrast of what happened in Hong Kong and in, and in more typical natural disasters like Katrina or the Waldo Canyon fire is they're short-lived. They have clear beginnings and clear endings. But we have been living through something now for six months that's vague and unseen. You don't see mm-hmm. where the smoke is, mm-hmm. right, of the illness. And at this point, we don't know where the end is. Mm-hmm. You know, they're talking about vaccines, but, you know, they're also trying to help people be very sober about by the time vaccines get here and by the time they work their way into the population, we're well into next year. Mm-hmm. And so this is very unusual. It is a natural disaster, and it carries with it a psychological wallop. John, as you share that, there's one other dimension that's coming to mind. It's not only does it not have a, a seeming end, but this isn't localized. Exactly. Because right? when you talk about SARS, I go, I remember that. I read some news articles. I remember I felt sad because I saw pictures, but I wasn't there. Yes. The Waldo Fire, I, it was immersed in it, and it was our reality yes. in this local area. Whereas Friends in Wildfires in California last summer, I empathized with them, but I wasn't in their backyard, right? Bingo. This is not only an epidemic with no end, but it doesn't have a locality. And so I remember being on a call, my first Zoom call with allies around the globe, and they were in China. They were in Australia, South Africa, UK, Ohio, and Hawaii experiencing the same trauma. Yes. And so there's no, there's not only an end, but there's actually no escaping, Mm -hmm. which I think is very important to name because we're such relational beings and we experience the world globally because Mm -hmm. of what's coming to us through news feeds. Yeah, exactly. That's so huge to name that. One commentator was writing on it and he said that the problem with a hidden natural disaster is you don't know where you are safe from it, really. Mm. And therefore, you don't know when you are safe. And so you're in this constant state of braced. Just everybody's living braced. Mm. Braced for the next personal news that's going to come, the next text you get, braced for the next news report you hear. And then you add to that, you know, the racial trauma and violence, the political hatred, the world kind of blowing up around us. So that's also... Mm a kind of disaster carrying with it all of the harm to the soul. And we're living in this cauldron of it right now. And the people of God, the friends of Jesus, need to be very, very deliberate about what we do with this, what we're thinking about, where our attention is focused, how we are caring for our souls. I was reading 
the story of Paul and his shipwreck in Acts. I think Jesus just guided me to it the other day. I was looking for something else, but then I found myself in Acts 27 reading that story of the shipwreck, and you know, he gets a passage on board what he doesn't know is the Titanic, <laughs> right? Although a lot smaller. Yeah, and, and <laughs> with a sail, with a sail, <laughs> and they think everything's great, yeah. and they're out, and they're even describing in the passage calm winds, mm. you know, and then this hurricane hits, and it literally drives the ship for two weeks, being driven at sea by this storm. Everyone is sure that they're going to die. And there's this moment where Paul gathers the crew and, and everybody on board and the centurions that are guarding him and, and his companions. And he says, look, everybody, you've been living for 14 days in constant suspense. I want everyone to take a bite to eat. You need to pause and eat. And it's just this incredibly kind moment doesn't lead them in a Bible study, doesn't even lead them in prayer. He, he just says, you, you need to stop because you've been on hypervigilance now for 14 days and, and you're, it's going to wreck you. Mm. And what I appreciate about the story is Paul knows it's going to get a little worse. Mm-hmm. That what's going to happen is they're going to get near shore, the ship's going to ground, the sea is going to destroy the ship, and everybody has to swim for the beach. Now, everybody makes it, but there's more trauma coming is the point. And so Paul pauses them to say, gather yourselves, pull your emotions in, get something to eat, like collect yourself, yes. care for your humanity for a moment, pause, breathe, center yourself. Okay. And I thought to myself, 14 days, that's cheesecake. <laughs> 14 days of constant suspense. We've been in five months of it. Mm. And so, just like you were saying about the fish and the polluted water, you don't really know it, but we're coming online this week here in August 10th to name it again and say this is taking a toll on all of us. We're all at really low reserves. We're all living with diminished capacities. And now here's the thing. Like Paul's story, we have good reason to believe that more difficulty is coming. And, I mean, you just, just look at the headlines, for heaven's sakes. And we're, we're entering into a, a fall presidential season where the hatred and the, the, the deep, deep division, it's like the Civil War. Mm-hmm. I mean, the level of deep divisiveness in America and all of that, more news, more global, you know, and then your kids and schooling and all that, this is going to be a difficult fall probably for many of us. And what I what I felt Jesus saying was, because of that, please take care of yourself right now. Mm-hmm. And please take care of your union with me. And back when the pandemic was peaking back in the spring, you know, I rushed into the presence of God to plead for mercy for the world and to ask him to put a border around it. And he said, there will be mercy. And there was summer. People did get, you know, we got out. The restrictions got lifted in most places, not everywhere, but people were able to take walks and they were able to go get tacos and you know, most people were able to see some friends or or get together for, you know, dinner with family in their community. There was some breathing room. Mm-hmm. And there was just summer. There was just sunshine, and right? And 
You guys got out. Oh, we did, right? And it's it bumpy, but it was more than lockdown. And it was nourishing. Absolutely. Right? And it, and it was, I think the other piece is, it was more available than we realized because we were hunkered down. Yes. We were vigilant. Yes. We were prayerful. We didn't want to be super spreaders, you know, yeah. whatever that is. Like, right. And yet— um, it was available. There was we, it, there was grace. It almost was like Paul saying, "Eat something, right?" Exactly. We went camping, and we were self-contained, and we were heavy laden with masks. But sure enough, we did a little stand-up paddle. We did a little biking, and we figured it out day by day, and walked with God, and were refreshed. And and you went through a wildfire. Oh, yeah. Lightning strike, <laughs> wildfire, hailstorm. I don't know if I told you this. South Dakota, Badlands, golf ball-sized hail was pummeling through the camper. We have an old camper that I rebuilt last summer. Through the skylights that I'd replaced, boom, boom, boom. And it was like incoming. And it was very symbolic because the major theme was rejuvenation. And yet, it's still like we live in a world at war. There you go. Right? There, that's it. That's the story. Yeah. So there was grace, there was beauty, there was mercy, and there was golf ball-sized hail. Right. And yeah. shutdowns, roadblocks, camps that say they're open online and they're not. Yes. You know. Okay. So, gang, this is the world that we're living in, and there's reason to believe this fall is going to have its share of difficulties. So right now, in the moment, what we hear Christ saying is, strengthen your union with me. Strengthen your union with me. You know, when Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, I think we're missing a word in there. Only. I can do all things only mm. through Christ who strengthens me. I think that's his intention yes. in that passage. I think he's trying to say, look, there is one way to make it. There's one source of life. I mean, because Jesus, his master said in John 15, apart from me, you got nothing. You can do nothing. There's no other well. There's no other fountain. There's no other source of electricity. There, like there is one place that the human being draws strength, life, nourishment, hope, comfort, assurance, words, and that is through our union with Jesus. Yeah, John, I think of how Jesus, when he's praying in his final moments on earth, where he says, Father, here is my prayer, that these apprentices, that the community of God would be one heart and one mind with you as I am one heart and one mind with you. When I hear that, and I've prayed into that pretty consistently of, First of all, it's astounding that that's available. But secondly, like, what would that reality be like that in my current circumstances, mm. I, I am facing some heavy things, like mm. personally, but then also as you're describing this global thing that we cannot minimize, what would it be like if we knew beyond a shadow of doubt that we were in and maturing in the condition of being one heart with God, union in heart mm. and union in mind, that's available. And I hear you saying, we need more of it, and there's a way to get there. I think that the perfect storm right now 
has most of us not thinking about that. The very thing we need, that sounds wonderful, but like you were saying, you weren't even going to go out camping because right. you were so hunkered down. Yep. That the low-lying PTSD that everyone is experiencing. And, and then I just want to point out, so you've got diminished reserves and diminished capacities, and you've got the mental fragmentation, emotional exhaustion, compassion fatigue, irritability, bordering, come on, on rage. <laughs> um, it, it, and then you throw into that the loss of a family member mm. or a chronic illness or bad news about your job, or the cars broke again, you throw on top of our fragile state more requirement, more need, more disappointment, and it's rough. I think the other piece that we throw on that's important to name, John, is we're airing this mid-August, and the truth is for many of us, we haven't yet dove into whatever fall looks like, right? With Grown kids going to school or not. Young kids. and Are they home uh, or not? Home or not, right? But the speculation of it, the energy spent on, is it going to happen or not? Are we going to do it or not? Is it canceled or not? Do we schedule it or not? There's an energy that it baits us to live beyond the moment. And that's where I love Lewis's teaching that's so brilliant, where he says there's two places, two realities in which God exists. It's here in the present moment and in eternity. But the speculation and worry of the future and the regret of the past are simply places where God doesn't dwell. Mm. And so I'm aware that without vigilance, my energy and even my spirit runs out. I'm facing some big decisions on September, and I simply can't make those in a normal way in which I would make those. So that speculation is very debilitating. It's exhausting. It's draining the last of our precious resources, and there's a better way. That speculation, by the way, that was what Paul was addressing to the ship crew. He said, you have been living in constant suspense. What's going to happen? What's going to happen? What's gonna, is the storm subsiding? Are we going to make it? Did we, are we going to hit land? Are we, did it, right? It's that. It's what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. It's exhausting. It's so mentally fatiguing, and it drains the heart. And so we're coming on air to name these things, interrupting the series on New Frontiers to describe, again, put some words to what everyone is living with, and to share with you what we sense Jesus saying. And what we hear him saying is, eyes on me, hearts on me, strengthen your union with me. Like, literally, those are the very sentences we've heard him say as we've prayed about this. Eyes on me, hearts on me, strengthen your union with me. I woke up a couple mornings ago, early in the morning, early, 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 4 a.m., to some real darkness pressing down on my heart. And I was so fatigued by everything we're describing. I was just in that vulnerable place. All I could pray was, Father, fill me. Father, fill me. Father, fill me. That's all, that's all I could do. I, I had to start there. That's all I had. And it was enough. It, it slowly, 
Slowly, through that prayer, he was gaining access again to impart himself to me, his very being, his life to me. And it it got me in a better place, which enabled me to get up and pray, which got me in an even better place. John, that's really practical, which helps me because, and I'd like to hear some more on the practicality of it, because here's where I get hung up sometimes is strengthen my union with God sounds amazing and sounds right and sounds important. And it sounds ethereal. It sounds wispy, super spiritual, like help me understand what you mean without saying union. Your being, your soul, your body, your spirit, your heart, you, your personhood is by nature an empty cup. You are a vessel Mm. that God fills. You are not by nature your own fountain. You're just not. What a human being is is a void, a space, a capacity, a a beautiful, beautiful pot that God fills, right? A leaky one at that. Well, Paul says that, right? (laughs) We have this treasure in in earthen vessels. The treasure that we have in earthen vessels is the presence of God in us. So maybe, maybe first, just to clarify, there is faith in Christ. There is hope in Christ, but that's actually not what we're describing here. We are describing your being, what you are, your very nature being united to the being and the nature of God, that he comes and he, people experience it as like he breathes into me hope, right? I really felt saturated in that moment with his love, that kind of language. As you say that, am I right in thinking that there's a dynamism to it, that it can increase and decrease. It's not like, I'm united with Christ, now let's go back to the grocery store. It's actually a condition that ebbs and flows. Doesn't it? Oh, yeah. I mean, you're one of the most grounded people I know. Well, I don't know about that. You didn't see me last night. How long does it last? (laughs) What I know is that it's a breath away. That's where I get my hope, is that union is never far away. And the temptation is feel like we're gone, right? I'm, I'm so far out of this. Like I just blew up yes. with my kids. Yes. It's okay. It's a breath away. Yes. And so I used to think of the leaky vessel of like, I need massive infilling to just get back to mm-hmm. a- adequate, let alone saturated. Mm-hmm. But for me, for example, just very practical, there's the reality that God you know, Abraham was a friend of God. There was a knowing of God's heart that Abraham knew, I believe, in a very unique way because of that Imago Dei, right? Some unique knowing he knew of God that really no one else knew, and that was what he was meant to be ambassador of to the world. And there was a unique knowing that God knew of Abraham that other people didn't know. There was this mutual affection, mutual intimacy, mutual friendship. And there was cultivating, like any other good friendship, you have to cultivate the acquaintance. You have to sacrifice for time. You have to be available. So to choose to cultivate a genuine friendship and knowing of God and being known, part of that is just like, God, I want to be known by you. Mm. I, I want to share. I want to confess mm. my inner 
world to you, my reality in this moment of what I'm facing, mm. here's how I'm reacting. What I mostly feel is pain and sorrow. And I just want you to know that part about mm. me. And I mm. know you know, mm -hmm. but I want you to know that I want you to know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you asked me, Morgan, what, what do we do on a practical way to increase our union with God, to strengthen our union with God? And I want to put that in two categories. And we'll start this week and we'll finish next week. Okay. And the two categories are there are things that we stop doing because they erode our union with God. And there are things that we take up, very simple things, because they strengthen our union with God. It's helpful to think about yeah. both, right? Because if you just, for example, speculation and the news, I will guarantee you, you can have the richest, sweetest time with God, encounter his presence, you're being restored in him, and if you then go and spend the next 40 minutes flipping through your news apps on your phone, right, catching this broadcast, that report, I'll pretty much put my money on. It, it'll be gone. Mm -hmm. It'll be gone. You will have spent it on all that that does to you, the, the fear, the speculation, the what if, and the anger and those guys, what are they doing? And, you know, shut that down and what's going, you know. And then all the op-ed pieces that you start writing in your head. and <laughs> the, Right? Uh, like it'll be gone. Right. And, and so it's not helpful for us merely to say, well, if you'll do these certain things, strengthen, strengthen your union with God. You, you really also have to talk about what erodes your union with mm -hmm. God? What are the things? And friends, you know this. Like, we actually could just ask you all the question, you know, what is it that tanks you and just makes God disappear from your life? And what is it in your history that's been nourishing? Like, there, you have things you have already experienced that you know work for you. We're going to get to that next week. But let's close this week with what are the things that erode your union with God. Speculation, fear, worry. Worry is a killer. Mm -hmm. I mean, Jesus is really very strong about it. He says, I literally do not want you to worry about tomorrow. Do not, he says. It's a command. Worry about tomorrow. Why? You know, because he doesn't like it or it's not a good reflection of our faith in him? No, because he knows it is poison. It destroys. It erodes the soul and it erodes our union with God. Mm -hmm. So, gang, you know, we've been saying this through the spring in some of the Get Your Life Back podcasts, but limit your news intake five minutes a day, 10 minutes, get the basics and get out. Mm. Get the basics and get out. What else do you find erodes union with God? Yeah, as you asked that question today, certain like trends come to mind, John, where I noticed the erosion of rhythm, just kind of unspoken, but permeating most things where I make that decision, right, about the news. And then it creeps in because I had to be involved with something. And next thing you know, I've lost that discipline, right? One of the 
things I need to do that I practice regularly is a hard eject, where I just say, it's cold turkey, right? Because it just gets muddled. You mean at the end of the day? So yeah, it's daily, it's weekly, it's yearly, but there have to be these heartbreaks. For example, the spring was a very intense season of offering for me. And I, I put on the calendar, June 26 is my heart eject. Like come hell or high water, that's my day where I close the computer for a break, a pause. And when that day happened, I was not ready because there were three, you know, mini crisis. Just, it felt very irresponsible. But I know better. I have learned that hard break almost like resets my soul. And I remember my first love. I get reoriented. And so for three days, it was shakes, detox, a hundred reasons to tidy up that one thing. There will always be that one thing. But once I made that break, after about three days, there was back to the intimacy, back to the orientation, back to hearing God's voice on a deeper level. You know, one mentor said, when we're busy, the father is quiet. Well, he was very talkative mm. for about a week. Mm-hmm. And I even feel emotion yes. come up. Yeah. So that's an example of setting hard ejects. There are times we turn off our phones and... For that window, no one can touch our family. Yes. And we are therefore choosing to turn in, yeah. right? Okay. Okay. Turn toward. So to reverse that then, we would say technology erodes your union. Mm-hmm. It just does. Mm-hmm. By its nature, it's distracting and addictive. And it's just, oh, well, then I could answer this. Oh, well, I can, I can quickly type out yep. the answer to that. And, oh, I can get back to that. So technology and pace of life erodes your union. You know, Dallas's thing of you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. And most of the people who heard that felt a stirring of like, that would be amazing. And then they laughed. Yes. Because it sounds preposterous, right? And yet, practical example, one way to begin is slow everything a little bit. Right. Just simply slow down. Slow down your eating. Slow down your talking. Slow down your emailing. Slow down your lovemaking. I mean, this isn't sex therapy, but it works. Just a little downshift. Yeah. And I know another piece for me, John, Sherry called me on this. It was very revealing. One of the things that can erode my intimacy is my own gifting because I begin to rely on it rather than, like you said, this living spring of life that exists beyond me. Mm. And so she will call me on it. I'm a strategist, I'm an innovator and a maximizer. And I'll just tie myself into a bird's nest over thinking about the next thing and how we could and what we could. And she requires me and benevolently, now that we're in two decades of this thing, to turn off the strategist. And I have to be disciplined to say, Mm. there's actually something deeper than my gifting that matters to God, a place to be with God. And ultimately it's the place where I can actually receive love Mm -hmm. apart from my gifting. And so even that is an example of, We, I strategize my way out of crises yes. instead of inviting union and out of that abiding place saying, God, now how do I use my gifting in the service of love in this hour? Yeah. So gang, what, what we're encouraging you to do right now is just think about what is it that fries you? 
What is it that erodes your union with God? And you can answer that. I know you can. Yeah. You might want to make a list of it, friends. Write them down. Yeah. Make it real practical. Make, make right? it real and, and begin to diminish those things in your life. Some of it, you know, if you're homeschooling your kids because your schools are closed, like that is a burden thrust upon you. So some of it is unavoidable, but a lot of it is not. It's how much time we spend on our phones. It's how much news we're taking in. It's our, it's our internal thought life. And so let me close this week with this. The war is for your attention. And this was prior to the pandemic. Everything, everything in our world is screaming for your attention. The electronic billboards, the gas station TV, all the chirps and notifications and buzzes and, you know, whistles and tweets that, that you get on your phone. You see, everything's trying to go, look at me, look at me, look at me. And then it's the clickbait and it's the pop-up ads and Google knows you're buying ha- habits. And so, you know, I'm on an online Bible program yesterday looking up some verses and, ooh, here's some cool new hunting gear. And like Google knows it's almost fall. They know me. They know I start buying hunting gear, right? And it's creepy, but right. it's, it's it, it, the war is for my attention. So, because if you want union, if you want to restore your union with Jesus, what you do every day is you give him your attention. Just very simply, you give him your attention. So, what are the things that are warring against that pace of life, franticness, fear, speculation, worry, you know, all of that? Um, we're going to pick this up next week because in some ways, too much guidance is not helpful. So there are some thoughts. And the thoughts are this. You are living in a form of PTSD right now because the world is absolutely sideways. It's gone completely mad. You're living in a series of natural disasters that don't have a clear ending to them. So kindness to your soul, your one rescue is your union with God. Your main mission right now is to daily care for and strengthen your union with God and to begin to think about, well, what's eroding it? What are the things that are just making me crazy right now and and getting my attention off of the presence of Christ in me? Well, there you go. You've got a starting place. We'll pick it up next week with some of the things on the positive side, simple things we can do to strengthen our union with God. 